It's 11.30 here at WKDU in Philadelphia. Let's do this officially. You are listening to Drexel University's free-format, non-commercial radio station, WKDU Philadelphia 91.7 FM. My name is Bill Gunter, and I am sitting in this week for Sherry Pennington, and, and we're about to do the Community Spotlight Program. Um, if you're familiar with the Community Spotlight, I'm sure you are, that it's about education, information, and entertainment, and news you can use. It's totally community-based. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to talk to Faye Anderson from All That Philly Jazz. Um, all that Philly jazz is about the history of the venues where music was performed in Philadelphia. And if you have spent any time here, you know that there is a rich history of music, places, music venues, and all of the greatest, all those names that, uh, that are in the pantheon of the greatest musicians of all time performed here at various venues in Philadelphia. And we'll talk about that and some other things. So Faye, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. And thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, now, <laughs> the first thing I wanted to ask you is, and I was fascinated. Uh, let's see. I guess we should tell that, that uh, Faye and I met a couple of months ago at an event, and I've spoken about the event a few times. It was dedication of, uh, well, it was planned to be the dedication of the uh, historical marker to honor Lee Morgan. It actually took took place on his 85th birthday, which was July 10th. And um, one of the things I remember you saying at that time is that you are not from Philadelphia. Right. You were not born. You were not a native of the city. Right? No, I'm from Brooklyn. OK, so my question then is when you moved here from Brooklyn, were you at all aware of the history of the music in this in Philadelphia? Had you been made aware of it? Well, I was aware of, of course, the sound of Philadelphia. I grew up on the sound okay. of Philadelphia. So I love and I love music. In fact, the first time. I was at a meeting and I saw Kenny Gamble. I could not believe it. I thought, oh my God, I'm in the same room with Kenny Gamble, okay. who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. So I love right. music. Okay. okay. But you didn't, did you know anything about the jazz history of Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Wow. So, um, so how did you get from not knowing anything about it to, uh, you know, all of this? information that you've gathered that you've begun to gather and uh, disseminate about the history of the music here and history of jazz here in Philadelphia. Well, what piqued my interest to document Philadelphia's jazz history, you know, Philadelphia is a very walkable city. I'm a walker. So one time I was out walking and I passed by a historical marker. Of course, at that time, I did not know anything about historical markers, and it was historical marker for Billie Holiday, okay. located at 1409 um, Lombard Street. And the marker reads, in part, when Lady Day was in the city, she stayed here. Right. But it doesn't say what here, where's <laughs> here. And so you know with historical markers, 
there's often no there there. So the, the marker could just um, denote that place used to be there. So it piqued my interest to find out, well, where did she stay? I mean, Lady Day saved my life, you know, <laughs> after all. Um, good morning, heartache and all. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. what that's what got me started. And so it was a combination of Billie Holiday. And of course, you know, folks from here know their history. And but I kept hearing about two jazz clubs, Pets and the Showboat. Okay. And at the same time, they would talk about Philadelphia's rich jazz history. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, if there's a rich jazz history, there has to be more than two places. <laughs> but that's all I heard, Peps and Showboat. Uh-huh. And so when I did the research to find out where Billie Holiday stayed, I could not believe it. Not only is the building still there, it's the um, she stayed at the Douglas Hotel. Right. The building is still there. It's now the headquarters of a nonprofit organization. But the Douglas Hotel was a green book site. Right. And for listeners who may not be familiar with the green book, the green book was a travel guide that was published between 1936 and 1966 by um, uh, Mr. Green. And his model was vacation without aggravation. So it was to help African-Americans, not just vacationers, but business people, musicians, to navigate Jim Crow laws in the South and racial segregation in the North in places like Philadelphia. And so... I wonder why would Billie Holiday stay in in the Douglas Hotel? And at that time, I didn't even know they did not have private bathrooms. I found that out later. Why would she stay in the Douglas Hotel when you had luxury hotels, the Benjamin Franklin Hotel, the Bellevue Stratford Hotel, now in the Stratford, the Bellevue, just a few blocks away? And, of course, it was racial segregation right. at that. She was right. not allowed to stay yeah. in those hotels. So... The Douglas Hotel was not only a sanctuary for travelers, but in the basement, the basement must have been a magical place. In the basement was a jazz club. First, it it was a rendezvous in the 50s. In the 60s, it became the showboat, the showboat that everyone talks about. Uh In the showboat where John Coltrane right. recorded right. a live album where Lee Morgan performed. In fact, the owner of the showboat, uh, well, one of the owners, the co-owner of the showboat, her um, Spivak, he's still alive, still very much active at age 90. This is what he said about Lee Morgan. Now, he's he's seen them all. He booked them all. Um, uh, Miles Davis, mm. for, uh, for instance. And so this is what he said about Lee Morgan, that he was the most powerful trumpet player he ever heard. And again, he heard them all. So in, this, in the 60s, you had a showboat where um, John Coltrane recorded a live album. And, and in the 70s, it became the Bijou, Bijou Cafe, Cafe. That's, that's, where that's right. Grover Washington right. Jr. recorded right. a live album. Now, other artists recorded live albums mm-hmm. there, but in terms of jazz artists, John mm-hmm. Coltrane and jo- Grover Washington Jr. Yeah, I remember the Bijou. Um, that was 
when I became of age to you know get out to these places. Um, I actually saw Mingus perform at the Bijou. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you were familiar with how the Bijou was configured, but there were most of this most of the seats were within almost within reaching distance of the stage. So Mingus was like, you know, there. <laughs> it was right in front of me, and it was a tremendous performance. Um, I don't even remember. It was probably Danny Richmond and, you know, the crew that he had. But, but uh, I remember hearing the history of what existed before that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tremendous. Um, so then you started to chronicle these venues. Uh, you went from there to um, where else? Well, let well, me ask you. Um, all that Philly jazz is crowdsourced. I'm not from here, so obviously I don't know these okay. places. And so people tell me they'll give me um, a fragment okay. <laughs> of a name and then think I could not have done this without Google or mm -hmm. with having access to the archives of the Philadelphia Tribune. And so I've got it. I've gotten most of my leads okay. from folks okay. who were here, who were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, actually, I gave you one. I didn't, I didn't realize that... Um, we talked about the Palton Cafe at 40th and Filbert in West Philadelphia, which is the street where I grew up. And I remember um, during the summer, they'd have the door open and we could, from where we lived, which was a half, less than a half a block away from that venue, we could hear the music. And uh, I mentioned that uh, well, my mom told me that Billie Holiday had actually performed there. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I, people tell me all the time about venues. Um, so what I'll do um, is someone mentions a venue, if I get any information on it, I'll pass it on to you. Absolutely. So you can, I will do that. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of Billie Holiday, one of my favorite venues um, act, and it's a Green Book site, is the Club 421. Are you familiar with the Club 421? The Club 421 was located at um, 56 in Wyalusing. Okay. The building okay. is still there. Up until recently, the sign was still hmm. there. The sign has recently been taken down. In fact, I've, I've, it's been so recent I've been able to take photographs of it. Okay. But when you go, when you go to... It's now, I think, called just the 421. When you go to the 421, you're stepping back in time. It is unbelievable. The bar, it's the same bar, the same seats, the same stage. Wow. You, so you can go there and sit in the same seats that Billie Holiday, oh, Ella Fitzgerald oh set in. You can walk up the steps to the stage uh -huh. where Billie Holiday performed. That it is so, it, it, it takes you right back oh to the 50s and the 60s. <laughs> and if you go there, even without going in, there's you there's an aluminum door mm. on, on the 56th Street okay. side of the building. And of course I wonder, what was that door? Well, back in the day, there were ladies 
entrance. Right. So that was the right. door so unaccompanied women right. would not have to go through the front door and see mm-hmm. all the nosy neighbors <laughs> talk about it. Do you see her? And so a lot of places had ladies' entrance. Uh-huh. And the ladies' entrance, entrance for Club 421 is still there. It's, wow. it's no longer um, accessible, but you can see okay. the door. So how did you get into this thing? How did you, how would you? No, it's open. It's, it is open? It's open. You can, oh. go, you can go there oh, after wow. the show. All right. <laughs> okay. You talk me into It's down it. a bar. I don't okay. think they have live music. All it's right. down a bar. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, More wow. like a sports bar. Okay. Um, now, when we met, we were, we were talking about the Opera Lounge at 52nd and Chancellor. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had the opportunity to go there probably two or three times in its late last few years of existence. Um, but it was the spot. Well, one of the spots. I mean, we talked about the strip and, um, 52nd street was where it was happening back in the day. Um, if you wanted to do some serious people watching, like we talked about people watching, uh, on the street where I lived. Um, but 52nd street was the place to go. And, um, you know, there was always something going on, and the best of the best were, were seen on 52nd Street. And the Aqua Lounge was part of that. Um, I didn't get, unfortunately, I didn't get to see Lee Morgan perform there. I don't even I think I saw Herbie Hancock there. Okay. Uh, in his, it's probably around, uh, it was probably before Headhunters. But it was, you know, he was starting to become electric. He did have a, electronic keyboard and he had his band uh julian priester you know those guys that performed with him in the early 70s but it was great it was great um well let me just say this about the aqua lounge and the aqua lounge and why i focus on places now i've always growing up i always loved old buildings and lack, you know, I grew up in Bedford-Stuyvesant, so I had zero exposure to historic preservationists, had, had no idea that was even um, an occupation, but I just loved looking at old buildings. And for me, I, I focus on the venues and the places because, you know, Little Milton, if walls could talk, if those walls could talk, the stories they would tell of resistance yeah, uh, racism, discrimination, yeah. but mm-hmm. also of triumph. Right. That the Aqua Lounge is one of the few um, jazz clubs remaining. It's the building that's still in existence. Mm-hmm. Of course, the building is now repurposed. It's now the home of the African Cultural Art Forum. But when you go into that space, you can feel right. their presence, the presence of all of those giants who performed there. In fact, the, um, the Sharp African Cultural Art Forum sells, among other things, incense. And so the, the owner told me that often, many times, customers will ask, well, what does that smell? I want that. And, and he tells them, that's not a fragrance. What you are smelling, you're smelling the ancestors. You're smelling <laughs> their spirits. It is really, it, it is really right. electrifying to go in there. So even when, even in a vacant lot, a vacant space, like where the 
Union Local 274 used to be located um, on on South Broad and Catholic. Right. It's now right. in a vacant lot. Union Local 274 was the Black Musicians Union. That um, musicians like John Coltrane, Dizzy Gillespie, Lee Morgan, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Nina Simone, every legend was a member of the Union Local 274. Mm-hmm. They formed the local because they were not allowed to join um, American right. Federation right. of Musicians Local 77. The building has long since been demolished, but it's now in a vacant lot. One Sunday, I was walking by there, and the fence, the gate was open. So that was my first time to be actual, to, to stand in the space where the building once stood. And I felt their presence. Wow. Yeah. So these spaces mm-hmm. matter because they hold our stories. Right. Right. And... If they're t- if they're torn down and demolished, um, it just becomes a memory, basically. And those of us that hold those memories, uh, it's our responsibility to share that. Absolutely, that you know, absolutely. That's one of the things that I try to do when I'm here. Um. So, in addition to uh, chronicling the the history of the music, what other projects are you currently working on? Well, an ongoing project has been the John Coltrane okay. House. Yeah. All right. That your listeners will likely know the John Coltrane House has been in a sad state of disrepair for 40 years right. now. Cousin Mary did what she could to preserve the not only the, the place that holds his story, but also John Coltrane's legacy. And um, three years ago, I'm a doer. <laughs> and so it, it was, I'm not going to wring my hands. And so two year, three years ago, I nominated the John Coltrane House for, uh, there's a, um, a list that's published um, annually about um, focusing on historic properties that are at risk, at mm-hmm. risk of either demolition outright or demolition by neglect and in the john coltrane house uh, cases demolition by neglect and so i I nominated the john coltrane house the nomination was um was approved and so what what being listed at at risk does is bring attention Mm -hmm. to the property and fast forward three years two years later um john coltrane's sons uh, Ravi and Oren sued <laughs> to gain possession mm-hmm. of the house. It's a it's a one of those if if your if your listeners are familiar with the tangled title, it's one of those situations where the property owner of record is deceased. Right. Um, Norman Gatson is the property owner of record. He died, mm-hmm. um, I think, in as I recall, either 2004 or 2007. And but the property is still listed in his name. Mm-hmm. Long story short, the Coltrane sons have sued to gain possession of the property. That in their grandmother's will, Coltrane's mother, in their grandmother's will, she said on her death it would go to 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 her sons, to her grandsons, right. and that that didn't happen. So. A lawsuit was filed in April of 20, 2022. And from my, of course, I monitor the court filings. 
and because has not gone to trial. And so, according to the court filings, the lawsuit has been settled. Was settled in May. I don't know the terms of the agreement that the uh, property is still listed in Norman Gatson's name, but it does take a while for the city to update its records. Mm-hmm. I don't know the again. I don't know the status of the um, of the property, but I think it's safe to assume that the sons won because it was a valid will, okay. and it, it was hard. Um, it would be hard to overcome a valid will. So, so the the um, John Cole train house is now in the hands of his sons, okay. on whose watch they allowed it to deteriorate. So I will continue to okay, monitor yeah, the was, situation. I was just about to ask you then: uh, Have any plans been formulated to do any renovations up there? Well. There were some plans formulated by Strawberry Mansion CDC to restore that, yeah. the facade, but mm-hmm. but shortly after they got the grant from the state and from the Mellon Foundation, the lawsuit was filed. Right. So everything right. was put on hold. Okay. And so what the plans are, okay. I I don't I don't know, but mm-hmm. I will be monitoring mm-hmm. the situation and and see what happens. Okay. You know, in in twenty twenty six. The, the world will come to Philadelphia because it's the 250th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. 2026 is also the 100th yes. anniversary of the birth of John Coltrane. Yep. It would be an utter shame on a city if that house were not, the facade were not restored mm-hmm. by the time mm-hmm. the world comes to Philadelphia in 2026. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree that um, yeah, that's a, a home of great historical uh, value, and it, so um, is there a way that the listening audience can get involved in uh, I don't know contributing, you know, whatever to make something happen there. To make something happen with the John Coltrane House. House. Well, again, it's it's the subject of litigation, okay. and so we'll we'll have to okay. wait and see right. what happens. Now, the at some point, um, Ravi and Oren Coltrane will have to come to the community and ask for support, because rehabilitating historic places, and that's a national historic landmark, right. which is the highest designation. Okay for an historic property. It costs millions of dollars to restore um, properties. In fact, with the John and Alice Coltrane House in Dix Hills, um, New York, that is also a a National Historic Landmark, and they are in the process of launching a capital campaign to rehabilitate that property where John Coltrane composed um, a love, love supreme. supreme right. They will have to raise millions of dollars to restore okay. that home, and again, so you you add that to the millions of dollars that will be needed to restore the John Coltrane House in Philadelphia. That at some point he will have to come to the community and ask for support. Okay. All right. Well, um, as soon as you hear something, just let. You know, you let us know. Sure. We'll, we'll put it out over the air and uh, do whatever we can to keep the awareness up so that uh, people 
who are interested can participate. Um, let's see, we've got a little bit over five minutes. Um, so if people want to, um, well, let me, before I ask you that, uh, do you have any, any more public uh, events planned in the near future? Well, as you noted, Lee Morgan's histor we, historical marker was approved. We had hoped to hold the dedication ceremony on October 14th of this year. Mm -hmm. But due to, quote, supply chain issues, the marker <laughs> has not been fabricated. Yeah. So it's safe to assume this the... Um, <laughs> The ceremony, the unveiling will not be on October okay. 14th. So listeners, mark your calendar for April 30th, 2024, which is Great. International Jazz yep. Day. I had hoped to unveil the mark on International Jazz Day 2023, mm -hmm. but again, due to supply chain issues. And so it will be unveiled on International Jazz Day but it will be 2024 instead of 2023. So in the coming months, we will have events commemorating, celebrating Lee Morgan in, um, in, in Georgetown. As you know, when Lee moved to New York, mm -hmm. he, didn't, he, um, he did not maintain an apartment here. So when he, when he would come to back to Philadelphia, which, which he did quite often, he would stay with his sister, right. Ernestine, who lived in um, Germantown. Germantown. So we're planning an event in um, Germantown to celebrate not only Lee Morgan, but you know Germantown has a rich right. jazz history. Right. So to celebrate mm -hmm. uh, Lee Morgan in Germantown, mm -hmm. and then also Lee grew up in, in Tioga, right. in the Tioga neighborhood of right. North Philly. So mm -hmm. we will have a community celebration at the Nice Town Tioga branch of the Free Library. Wow, okay. So those will be between now and March of 2024, and then the the unveiling April 30th, 2024. Okay. And and to bring it back full circle, uh, where exactly is that historical marker going to be? Well, where else? <laughs> but well, actually, there are a lot of places. In yeah, fact, we thought about um, Music City which is which was located at 11th right. and Chestnut. Music City was very instrumental in Lee's early development. He went there for their weekly jam sessions mm -hmm. and um and workshops mm -hmm. when he was a student at Massbound. Right. So that was a that was a, a possible possible location. In fact, in the nomination, that's where I had right. indicated it would go. Of course, Massbound High School is um, was a possibility. You know, historical markers are typically installed in front of their residence. Well, Lee's family home was demolished years ago. Mm -hmm. It's now in a vacant lot and did not want Lee in front of a vacant lot. So after the nomination was, was submitted, I, I, I learned from Lee's nephew, um, Daryl Cox, about Lee's affection, fondness, for the Aqua Lounge, he performed there on several occasions. His last performance in Philadelphia was at the Aqua Lounge. It was in October of 1971, four months before his tragic death um, in February of 1972. So Lee loved the Aqua Lounge. He would say, I'm going to cut up at the A Lounge. So that 
his nephew, Darrow, has a lot of Lee's. Um, Darrow is executive of his right. estate. So Darrow has a lot of Lee's uh, memorabilia, including his address book. So I'm, I'm, one day I'm, I'm looking through the address book, and what do I see? The Aqua Lounge, that of all of the jazz clubs mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, in New York, of all of the places where Lee Morgan performed, the Aqua Lounge was the only jazz club in his address book. So it, the Aqua Lounge was special yeah. to him. And yeah. it's about Lee Morgan. So I went to go to a place where he loved and where you go in and you can feel his presence. Yes, yes exactly. Wow. We have run out of time. Really? How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know what? We may have to do this again. Okay. Okay. Um, Faith, thank you very much. Well, thank you. Uh, um, And so this has been Community Spotlight. My name is Bill Gunter. Sherry will be back next Sunday. And uh, I'm going to turn you over now to Al Knight. Thanks for listening.